you're always glad that you wake up in the morning. I tell you that. Amen, amen. Well, anyway, I'm going to share something with you, and I'll be thinking that I have really lost it. Some of you here today will uh, hopefully get something out of what I'm fixing to say. December 1993, I was in Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, so I... I worked at uh, the largest Baptist church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as a janitor in 1993. My job on Sunday morning was to go open the church up, uh, make coffee for the pastor, make sure all the doors are open, all the heat's on. That church at that time in 1993 had 5,500 members. And that was a mega, mega church back in the day. And so... I worked my way through. My wife worked also, not at that church, but at, at uh, she was a telemarketer, believe it or not, because she could always talk. But she was a telemarketer for Sears. So, and we worked in the afternoons after Bible school. But anyway, uh, it was in December and it was cold and it had snowed some in Tulsa uh, that night. And uh, I was by myself. And I got up and went to church, started at 6 o'clock, opened the door and make sure the heat's on, all that. And I was having a pity party because I was having to shovel snow off the sidewalks. And I had uh, a pair of tennis shoes was all I had. Uh, and they were wore out and my feet are wet and I'm cold. And um, so I go through the gymnasium and the cafeteria, big, big building. I go through that that morning to, uh, to open that up. And so I'm having a pity party, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm mad. I thought, here I am, you know, I was in business for myself. I gave away, gave away basically everything I had to come to Bible school and be a janitor. So I was having a rough morning. And so as I go through the gymnasium and I'm complaining and complaining and complaining, and I heard this audible voice, and it was a bellering voice that come out. And I thought, what is this? And this voice said, I'm giving you a special anointing. If you do what I tell you to do, you'll touch more people in 10 years than most of these ministers in this Bible school will ever touch. I knew it was God. It was a voice. And the voice said, I'm going to show you something in a few days. I'm going to give you a vision. So be ready for this vision. That was on Sunday morning. It was the best I ever had at work was that Sunday morning. I mean, after I was so excited and I was so happy, you know. And so I went on and got through that day. And so on a Thursday night, um, my wife was working and I was off. And so I had carried her to work at Sears. And um, or the place where she was telemarketer, see her. I'd carried her to work, and I came back to the apartment, and I was getting ready to have a test um, 
the next day, and so, you know, I'm a, I'm a 10th grade dropout. So, well, it, it was hard for me in Bible school. But I finished Bible school with a 3.90 average, so I guess that was pretty good. And only by the grace of God that I did that. But it's on a Thursday night, and Becky was at work, and I was uh, laying on the floor praying. And um, I actually was praying about because I was going to have to have this test, and I was praying for, you know, uh, direction, help, and whatever God could give me to pass this test. Because this test I was going to have to take was from a guy named Cooper Beatty, which was the top instructor at Rama, and he was a very hard instructor. And so I'm laid out on the floor, and I'm praying. Now, I want you to understand that if you'll go through the Bible, you'll find out that what I'm telling you is scriptural. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul said that he was praying and he was caught up into the third heaven. That's in 2 Corinthians 12, 2. The Apostle Paul said, so it's obvious, Paul said this, I, I knew a man 14 years ago, whether in body or out of body, I do not know, but this man was caught up into the third heaven. So I know then that was more than one heaven, because Paul said he saw the third heaven. And so uh, I knew that, and so I'm praying, and all of a sudden I feel my spirit leave my body. And I'm hovering. I could see the room, but my spirit had left my body. And I, I was hovering the room. And the Lord told me, I heard this voice. And he says, I'm going to show you that there's seven divisions of heaven. I thought, man, I'd never heard something like this. And so in this vision, I saw heaven, and I saw these upteen millions and millions and millions of people look like, and I saw people going up, going down, going up, going down. And so I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't understand this. I said, I see people coming down, going back up, and it's like as you go up, the, the, the glory of God was bright, was so bright up, and it was dimming as it came down. And so I said, Lord, what is this? He said, there's seven divisions of heaven, and works don't save you. But what you do on earth gives you your level in heaven. What you do for me on this earth will elevate you in heaven. And I'm seeing these people. And I see people coming down and going up. And the Lord said, the people on level one can never go up. These are people who accepted me but done nothing for me. They got saved, but they have no reward in heaven. Now, all heaven is good. It's all good, but there's better. And, and, and he said, the people on the first level can never go up. 
to, to see the glory, the majestic glory of God. But those up can come down to these. And so I said, Lord, I see, and I saw the level seven. I saw where he said, I'm going to show you the seventh level. And I get up, and I see that he takes me into this level, and I see just thousands and thousands and thousands of children I said, Lord, I don't understand all of these children. They're up on the seventh level. What did they do to deserve to get the seventh level? He said, these are all of the aborted children in the world. They never had to do anything. Because, you know, when God, when that baby is in that womb, it's alive. When that baby is consumed or, 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 or is created, the Spirit of God goes in that baby. The Spirit never leaves man. You're going to die in this body, and your body's going to die. But your spirit man's going to live forever somewhere. And he said, all of these children that you see are the children who has been murdered in the world. And there was millions and millions and millions, it looked like, of them. As I saw that, all of a sudden, I dropped back into my body. I'm laying on the floor, and I said, Lord... I don't understand this. He said, you don't tell anyone what you saw. He said, there will be a day that I will tell you that you can share this. I'm sharing it today. Now, you're going to leave here today. Some of you think, well, pastor's really been off on something. I'm just telling you what I saw. You can take it and believe it or not. It's up to you. But I can tell you that heaven is a real place. And what we do on this earth determines where we land. I asked you this question. Take with me, you, whatever. Do you think that I would get the same reward as Mother Teresa? Billy Graham, any of the prophets that's gone on, we don't get their reward. But what we do here will get us to another level. I don't want to be on level one. I want to do what God tells me to do. I want to hook up and believe God. And I want to see my life on this earth prosper in serving my Lord. And, you know, I told you this the other day. You know, I always thought as a boy that, that uh, you know, man, you're going to live a long time. I think I'm going to live a long time. I'm praying that I live long enough to see the Lord come. 
That would be my prayer, that I would live long enough to see him come. My friend, I tell you today, he's very close. God is looking on the world today and seeing all of the turmoil and the viciousness in this world today. And he's close. He's close to coming. After I had that vision, I went to school the next morning. I was in Cooper Beatty's class. And he was an elderly man at that time, probably 80, been in the ministry all of his life practically. He could quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you ask him anything, he, he knew the Bible. So after class, I went up and I said, Brother Bate, I want to ask you something. I said, I saw something last night in the Spirit. Now, you understand in Bible school, uh, these instructors get all kind of flakes out there that's got all kind of ideas. So they hear everything. I said, but I had a, I, I had a vision last night. And so I, I go to share, share to him about that vision. He said, Herbert, he said, I've been in ministry all my life. And I've never, I've never heard that. But he said, what you're telling me, I believe God showed you that. I believe that was from God. What, what you're telling me is from God. Now, I never said anything else. I never told Becky. Now, many years later, I just happened to flip on the TV Am I born you? No. Okay. No. Okay. I'm thinking like I'm looking like I'm really born now. Okay. Several years later, after that, I just I, I don't watch TV much, but uh, I happened to turn on the TV, and Benny Hinn was on TV, and Benny Hinn said, "I've had a vision of heaven. It's exactly the same thing I saw from Benny Hinn." I thought, I mean, man, God had showed him the same thing. So I felt like, yeah, I, I, did, I wasn't just daydreaming or something, that I actually saw something. And so, anyway, I got this message. Oh, we ain't going to have time. God's time. Anyway, I got this message. Um, the devil at the veil. And so, uh, in Mark, the 15th chapter, we see this. Uh, well, let's turn it in Mark, the 15th, verse 34. And the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by him said, Well, he must be calling on Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered him to drink. Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come take him down. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That signified when the veil of the temple was rent in two, that signified that we have the opportunity to walk into the holies of holies. That was significant that the veil was rented to when Jesus died on Calvary. So we know that we have an opportunity to get to the glory of God. Now, the temple 
when I had the vision of heaven with the seven visions, then God said, I want you to go and look at the temple and see and look at the temple. I don't want to share, share this with you if you'll put that up for me. But the temple itself has seven divisions. <clears throat> and that is significant with our progression through to get to the glory of God or to the holy of holies. Significant with the temple of God. Now, number, number one was a brazen altar. That represented Calvary. You must come to Jesus. See, you don't get clean to come. You don't have to be clean to come to Jesus. But when you come to Jesus, you'll get clean. So when we come to the altar of God, that's when we come and lay it all out and say, Lord, I'm yours. Cleanse me. The second is a brazen labor. That means a washing and a cleansing. See, once you come to Jesus, when you when I when I came to Jesus, I I, I was a dog. I know I'm the only dog that's ever been in here, but I can tell you this: I wasn't a very good person when I come to Jesus, and I had a, a, I needed a lot of washing. We've all been there. Is anybody in here beside me ever made a mistake? Well, I got two. The rest of you are lying. We've all made mistakes. We've all fell short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. But when we come and we accept Jesus, then there comes the washing. You don't have to get washed and get clean to come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, He's going to wash you. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of... I wish I could sing. But the blood is what washes away the sin. So when we come to Jesus, we get clean. The next is number three. It's a table of showbread. That's the, that is the bread of heaven or the Word. See, what happens is once we come to Jesus, you're not a, a, a Word genius when you come to Jesus. We, don't, we didn't know the Bible. When we come to Jesus and we get cleansed, then we get in the Word and we see what God's done for us. Let me tell you something. If anybody is a born-again child of God, I'm going to be honest, we, we, we might have troubles, but my God, we ought to be rejoicing that our Amen. name is written in the Lamb's Amen. Book of Life, bless God. Uh, we got something to shout about. Right. Bless God, I ain't going to hell. I'm going to heaven, bless God. Full of glory. That's what the Word told me. The Word, I, I saw that in the Word. The next is the lampstand. That is the illumination of the Word. When we get the Word and we get the bread of heaven at the showbread, the next is the lamp or the light that illuminates the Word. Well, I hope this is helping you. Number five is the altar of incense. That is worship. Let me tell you something. We all, by the grace and the glory of God, ought to thank God that we have an opportunity in America to come freely to a church and worship God. There is, there is the world worldwide, that today, do you understand 
that because of this ignorant Incaramus in the White House, that there's thousands and thousands today of Afghanistan Christians who are being martyred and murdered as we speak because they stand up for Jesus. But we have an opportunity to come in our churches of America and freely worship God. Let me tell you something. If the church don't get some righteous indignation, if the church don't start standing up, bless God, and get to the point and say, I ain't taking it no more. Let me tell you something. I had a pastor up here at a denominational church told me, I don't know, back last year. He said, I'm going to tell you one thing, Pastor. He said, I know some people have been out there to your church. And he said, I'm telling you this. He said, the way you preach and the way you talk about the government and all this kind of stuff, he said, they are going to take your 501c3, my tax-exempt thing. I said, to hell with a 501c3. I've got Jesus, bless God. I could care less about the government trying to tell me what to preach. I'm going to preach hellfire and brimstone. I'm going to tell you, bless God, we need to get saved. I'm going to tell you, bless God, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost, bless God. That's what I'm going to preach. And when God gets gets through with me, I'm going to go ahead and leave and leave all of this other to these low-down, bumbling, mumbling preachers that ain't got no message, bless God. There's thousands sitting in churches today. And the preacher won't tell them the truth. I'm telling you, bless God, you come to this church, you're going to get told the truth, bless God. Well, I didn't want to get too excited this morning. And check my blood pressure here for long. And this same... This same... Um, uh, instructor at Bible school, Brother Beatty. We had what we called at Bible school. I'm gonna, I'll get back to my message in just a minute. But we had what we called at Bible school, a uh, lab class. That's where you write a sermon and you have to get up in front of everybody, uh, students and preach. And so, I, I'm, I, this is the truth now. So I get up that morning. And so we're riding to school with a girl uh, that rode to school with us. She wasn't married, and she's from California, and she was a nut. But she, we, we carried, carried her. In, we drove her to school. So she said, "Herbie, uh, uh, you, you're going to preach this morning, and uh, what it what is the title of your message?" I said, "The title of my message is What in hell do you want?" Here's what she said. She said, well, what in hell do we want? I said, nothing. <laughs> so I get up to preach. I'm, I, I'm telling you the truth. I get up to preach. They got a little desk here. And so as I get up to preach, I get my microphone down, and I come down, and uh, there's people sitting like y'all right here. Here's the desk, people sitting right there. And so um, I come down, and here's what's there. 
Glory to God. If you ain't saved, you're going to hell. You need to get saved, bless God. This woman jumps up in the front seat and said, I accept him in Bible school. I'll tell you the fact. I said, oh, my God, I don't know what to do now. So I just went on with my message. But that's the truth. I said, do you know there's Bible school? I'll go and tell you this in case you don't know. There is Bible schools that's full of people who are lost. Now, y'all don't believe that. But, but the Bible school, let me tell you something. Bible school is putting out preachers who are lost and don't know Jesus and Christ as their Savior. And they're out here trying to tell somebody how to get right. They ain't right themselves. Well, that's what happened. Where am I at? Now, we're talking about the worship. See, worship gets you to another elevation. Go to the story in the Bible about Jesus. Do you always know that Jesus, that most of his worshipers were women? Seem like women have have a have something unique as far as worship goes. You know, you don't see many people like that old guy there jumping around worshiping God. Men don't do that because you know that's that is unmacho. Well, I'll tell you one thing: it's, it's, it's a lot of you out here that need to get unmacho. But we're talking about the worship now. Number six is the veil. That was the veil of the temple. Now, you know, I told you that when Jesus gave up his breath, the last breath, that the Bible says the veil of the temple was rent in two. Now, you know, if you study um, the Bible a little bit, you'll know that the priest could is the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies. And when the priest went in, they had to have bells on their robe, you know, where they could hear that they were still alive, because if they wasn't right with God, they dropped dead. But today, we can come to Jesus, dirty, filthy, don't matter, and come to Jesus because the veil has been rent. In other words, we have the opportunity to come to the holies of holies. Now, in Ezekiel, the eighth chapter, I want to show you something here. In Ezekiel, the the eighth chapter, verse 1, Ezekiel is prophesying. Well, let's go. Let's go to verse 3. He stretched out in the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my hair, and the Spirit lifted me up between heaven and earth. This is Ezekiel. He's had a vision. He brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the image of jealousy was, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there like the visions that I saw in the plain. 
Then he said to me, Son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north, and there on the north gate was this image of jealousy. It was a spirit of jealousy. Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, did you see what they're doing? The great abominations in the house of Israel commits here to make me go away from my sanctuary. Then he said, I want you to turn again and see this spirit. The spirit there that he saw was Asherah, the mother of Baal. And he said, I see a spirit of jealousy. The one thing that will keep you from the glory of God, the one thing that will keep you from entering into the holies of holies, there's always something there that tries to restrain us from getting into the fullness of God. Even in that day there, Ezekiel said that it was a spirit of jealousy that stood at the gate. Now, we see this today in our churches of America, all over America. We see that this spirit, this devil, is at the standing at the veil to keep you from entering in to what God wants for you. It's always a pushback, a pushback. See, God desires us to come and truly worship Him. And the Bible says this, we should come and worship Him in spirit and truth. Now, this jealousy that was there at that temple, and I'm going to give you several, several definitions of jealousy. Number one is suspicious of others. That spirit of jealousy will always make you suspicious of other people. The spirit of jealousy is intolerant of rivalry. They always think someone is their rival, trying to compete against them. That's a spirit. And that disrupts the church. Unfaithfulness. That's another type of jealousy. Hostile towards someone that you think has an advantage over you. You know, we're always looking, well, I don't know, they, they got this, they, they, got, they do more for them, they do for me, or whatever it might be. Always hostile towards someone that you think has an advantage over you. And this is, a, this is the one that's really prevalent in our churches. Low self-esteem. We never think we're good enough. We always look at our faults. We always look at the things that we've done. We've always, we're always going back. We always think someone's trying to take advantage of us. And that is low self-esteem. Let me tell you something. If you are born again, child of God, you ought to think good of yourself. Well, let me say that over here. If you're a born-again child of God, man, low self-esteem, you might have a lot of problems. I mean, you can have a lot of problems. You, 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 you got hemorrhoids. You got all kinds of stuff. But you ought not, you ought not have 
low self-esteem if you're a child of God. Can I get an amen on that? That's one thing we ought not have. I'm somebody. I tell you that you you, you don't. I know you don't believe this. You ought to come live with me for a day. I get up in the morning. First thing I do when I get up in the morning, I go to the mirror. I go to the bathroom. I say, man, you look good. I mean, you look good. Nobody during the day is going to tell me I look good. But I told myself I look good because I feel good about myself. So build yourself up. Quit dealing in the past stuff. Oh, God, it's a bad devil here. Envy. Always envious of other people. Envy tears up your relationship. Envy is that devil at the veil that will keep you from getting in with God. Oh, this is a good one. Gossip. Telegraph, tell a woman. Every man ought to have said, praise God. I will probably get, I will probably get messages on the phone on account of that one. But we love you anyway. But that's a bad devil. No fear of God. That comes out of jealousy. No fear of God. Judgmental. Always trying to judge somebody. Always looking at somebody and judging them. Well, this is, this is, I like this one. Lack of respect for spiritual leaders. You know, when I was a little boy raised on a farm out in Bellevue, Tennessee, we had, we had three churches in our town. We had a Baptist church, Church of Christ, and a Methodist church. Do you know that, and I can remember this as a child out in the country, do you know the three most admired people in town was the pastors of those churches? Whether you went to the church or not, it didn't make any difference. You respected spiritual leadership. That's all gone now. Because it's that bad, you know, I, I just want, I, 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 I bet you that pastor's taking all the money out of that church. You know he's getting paid well. If you only knew. But it's always, you know, lack of respect for spiritual leaders. But anyway, that's part of it there. Now I'm going to close because I've done, I know I've, I've bored you and gone too long. Jealousy invokes self-worship and pride. When we are jealous and start start operating and let that spirit come in into us, it always invokes self-worship. Look at me. I had a can I tell you one more story? I know y'all want to go, but I want to tell one more story. Many years ago, I had a girl in here sung on the praise and worship team. Probably none of y'all don't ever remember. But anyway, I had a girl in here sung on the praise and worship team. Well, she had one song that she sung was a special song, say. 
specialty. I don't remember what it was, but uh, that was her song. Well, she was over helping in children's church that morning, and one of the other ladies on the stage sung that song, her song. I didn't think nothing about it. I mean, get up there and sing a song. I didn't think nothing about it. The next morning, I had a, a lady would come in here and work and do the books and stuff. She was in, in there in a little outer office. She said, Pastor, she said, maybe you ought to talk to this girl. She called a church that Monday morning. Well, I got on the phone. She raked me over the coals. How dare you? She went and ranting that you would let somebody sing my song. And she went on about ten minutes ranting and raving about why I let somebody else sing their song. You know what I did? I said, let me tell you something, sweetie. You ain't singing no more. You never sang no more. She never got back up. First of all, it's not it, it, it's not your song. It's God's song. I mean, it make no difference if, if uh, Minnie Pearl want to come out of grave and sing it. It don't make no difference. It, 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 it's God's music. But so when we get into that jealousy, that is what provokes that. Well, I got a lot more, but I'm going to close today. Every high, every, um, are you talking to me? <laughs> the holies of holies. I'm sorry, I didn't give you number seven. The holies of holies. I mean, I thought you would have got that. The holies of holies. Number seven. Everybody stand. Now I'm going to get very serious for you this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm talking to someone this morning in this church right here. You've been dealing with some of this stuff right here. You made some mistakes. Your self-esteem may be low. Or maybe you're not where you need to be with God. You're going to see that if you'll look up and get in with God, that God will start doing tremendous things in your life. I don't want you just to barely get by. I don't want you to be on level one. I want you to say this morning, God, I choose to truly turn my life and start turning toward you in a more positive way. I've made some mistakes, done some things. What well, it doesn't make any difference. If it's you here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I need Jesus in a real way. I don't know if I were to die today. I don't know. There's young people going out into eternity this morning by the umpteen thousands. 
13, 14, 15, 19 years old that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. It'll be the biggest decision that you ever made in your life to get closer to God. If that's you, put your hands up. I want to pray for you. God bless you, sir. It was no accident that you came to this church today. There's others in here right now. You know who I'm talking to. God wants to change your life and put you on a fresh new step. And God's going to do that for you. As we sing this song, if that's you, and you want to get closer to God, I want you to make your way to this altar. And I'm going to pray with you. You that raise your hands and want more God or need to be uh, uh, saved, I want you to come right here right now. It's the biggest decision that you're going to make in your life is to turn everything over to God as we sing.